I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Beacon inside a mall is very valuable mm-hmm. uh, because the user could be on level one, level two, level three of a mall, mm-hmm. um, and a beacon helps determine that. The way that we look at it is like, remember back in the um, early 2000s, everyone operated their own website, and then Google just came along and said, "We'll we'll serve the ads and we'll just cut you in." Yeah. That's that's kind of like where beacons are today. You got a lot of companies managing their own little infrastructure pieces, mm-hmm. but Advertisers just want to access the whole thing in a really easy fashion. So that's kind of the layer where our market fits in. Well, the reasons to be cheerful are all the advertisers and agencies that we meet when we go in and demo and we show them, you know, a, a sponsored notification coming from a third-party app, they get super excited. So for us, that's that's great because ultimately they're the ones that are paying for it. JC Deco, who are the outdoor furniture company. Yep. They're using beacons as a way for them to be able to track and analyze people that service their out-of-home units. Mm-hmm. So instead of manually logging that down on a piece of paper, I was, you know, on the corner of 34th and 3rd and I had to, um, you know, fix the, the, the outdoor panel, mm-hmm. Is that is being automated via a beacon in the panel and an app that's loaded on the, the production guy's device. You're listening to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Beaker System with Steve Stadler. Welcome to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Beaker System. Uh, this week we are talking to Andrew Davis, who is the co-founder and COO of Air Market. He's uh, based in New York. So, uh, Andrew, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Stephen. Pleasure. Yeah. Uh, so, we're going to be talking about Beacon Networks and... If, if we think about where the beacon ecosystem, proximity, location, marketing ecosystem is, scale is a critical success factor. And uh, I believe that networks are, are a key to us achieving that scale. And you've started a company that helps to, to, to make that possible. And so we'll be talking about what you guys do, your view of the marketplace. Um, and, you know, when you first started in this business, you, you were actually, you set up a different company, Tapit, is that right? That's right, that's right. How did Tapit become Air Market? Yeah, so that's a, that's a really good question. Um, so Tapit was originally all about connecting physical objects to the internet. Uh, and so that was built at the beginning of 2011. 
Um, and the primary technology that we were using there to connect physical objects to the internet was using near-field communications. Uh, and the beauty of that technology was users weren't required to, to download an app. So they could just tap on various objects and these brand owners or um, clients could deliver various information and content over the internet. Mm -hmm. the, uh, the, the challenge with near-field communications even till today is that um, it's not compatible with iPhone. So iPhone only uses NFC for Apple Pay and then any other type of interactivity with the NFC controller is locked. Um, and so for us to scale the company to the vision that we um, originally founded the company on was very difficult because if you can't cater to an iPhone audience, you're pretty much you know, cutting off a huge chunk of, of a brand's audience, especially yeah. in the US, Canada, Australia, and the UK. So I, I actually heard, obviously, you're from Australia. I think most people can tell that from your, your accent. Yeah. And um, I heard that there were some Australian banks that are actually suing uh, Apple to try and open up the uh, NFC access for their for, for their payment. So I, I hope they get somewhere with that. But I'm, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Um, but the we went back to the drawing board. We we obviously got traction with with the product, but we could never scale with clients to the level that we we had envisioned. So we went back to the drawing board um, and took all those learnings that we that we gathered across the journey with Tappet and said, well, um, what technologies can we use in a similar way but is compatible with all devices? And that's sort of um, how the genesis of, of Air Market was born. Um, and that was back in 2015. 2015. So you've been at this for a couple of years. How big is the company and, and where, where are your people? Yeah, so we've got six staff. Mm -hmm. um, myself in the U.S., We've got uh, a lead sales guy in London in the UK um, and then tech and our CEO uh, are based back in Sydney. All right. um, and yes. so that's where the business is headquartered. And, and tell, us, tell us about the platform and what the service you offer. It's basically uh, like a three-sided network, is that right? Yeah, so the, the one thing that uh, we noticed and it's still evident today with, with Beacons to your point is it's very fragmented. So there's lots of companies that are playing on both sides of the fence in terms of there's lots of companies providing beacons and rolling them out for, for various customers. Um, but that's fragmented from an advertiser perspective. So if an advertiser wants to access some beacons, they'd have to approach each of these individual companies that are rolling out beacons. So what Airmarket is trying to do is aggregate all those beacons on one side so the beacon owner can make revenue from that infrastructure that's already deployed out in the field. Mm -hmm. And the advertiser benefit there is, is that they don't need to invest in, their, in any type of hardware each time they want to do a campaign. Um, and so think of that like a, an Uber-style approach where um, rather than just operating one taxi by yourself, you're able to operate many cars at once. Um, and then on the other side is because beacons require an app on someone's phone, is we work with third-party apps to be able to deliver notification from those beacons. Mm -hmm. And so a, a core part of our remit is to um, partner with large apps, which allows an advertiser to deliver many notifications to their consumers as they're coming into proximity of these various beacon networks across the world. 
So you've got advertisers that are paying to get access, uh, real, hooks into existing apps that have distribution, so they don't have to worry about creating an app and all the risk and cost that goes with that. So they have a known quantity in terms of the app coverage and install base, and you're yes. linking those apps to a network of beacons, and presumably the advertiser pays for this, and who gets the money? Do you share it with people with beacons and the, the, the app owners? Is that the idea? Yeah, yeah, we share it on all sides. So um, in terms of that value chain, each part of the puzzle is adding value. The <laughs> beacon is adding value because you're able to determine exactly where someone is to a, to a very close range. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're obviously sharing revenue with the app because they're playing an important role in being able to access the consumer on their device. And... Uh, how, how far have you got in terms of building building this up? It's notoriously difficult to start these things. Um, yeah, so that, that's a really good point. Because it's so early, these things do take time. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've just recently um, signed our first app partnership with a company called AirPorsche. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the beauty of AirPorsche is rather than us approaching individual apps one by one, they have thousands of apps within their network. And so we provide our SDK to AirPush, who then deploy it into those thousands of apps. So it kind of gives us scale um, by doing one deal rather than doing a thousand individual deals. Cool. Um, and then we're in the process of obviously partnering with more apps as well as companies that have um, beacons deployed in the field. Um, so, so what kind of apps does AirPush have in their network? Very, very long tail apps, Stephen. So um, think gaming apps, um, apps like Flashlight um, and, and et cetera. So, you know, we're not talking Instagram, Twitter, Facebook and those style of apps. Mm-hmm. It's apps that have um, decent, decent uh, user base mm-hmm. when added together. Yeah. Uh, but, but the core need or want from the apps themselves is uh, they really need to make money from their apps. Uh, And and the beauty with with their market and the notifications is the consumer doesn't have to be inside the app for the notification to be delivered. So unlike an ad banner where users need to be inside the app for the app to make money, this is, call it an incremental revenue stream for those apps. Okay, so I might be playing Solitaire or I might have played Solitaire at one point. Uh, it doesn't really matter. I, I get these notifications that pop down from the top of my screen. What, what kind of message would be in the notification? What's the user experience like? Yeah, so that's something that we're currently educating advertisers on. Mm-hmm. So it can't, be, it can't be general awareness type messages because that fits the old sort of above-the-line media approach. But for push notifications, because one, it's a mobile device, it's very personable. And because we know the location of a consumer, it has to add value to the context of the consumer. Mm-hmm. Um, so it could be an offer, it could be... Uh, entry into a competition. It could be exclusive content from, say, a Netflix or an Amazon, um, but it has to add value to the consumer. It can't be something like, hey, uh, I've just launched my new TV ad, Mm -hmm. Uh, because then all people in the value chain lose, especially the advertiser. Yeah, that makes sense. So the rule is it has to add value. It can't just be uh, welcome to the store notice or why don't you go here. Um, 
Um, how are you getting to the advertisers? You're based in New York. That seems like a pretty good start. Yeah, that's so that was one of the reasons why we set up in New York. Obviously, it's the, the mecca of advertising globally and where all the, the global decisions are made, all the big agencies are here. Mm-hmm. Um, so our pro- primary path to market with advertisers is working with the media agencies. Um, and a core feature of our platform is making the process of purchasing notifications programmatic. Uh, as you know, most digital and mobile media is going to that programmatic, automated style of, of buying and analyzing. Hmm. And so a, a key feature that we're trying to incorporate with Air Market is being able to integrate with those programmatic platforms so they can buy some notifications in exactly the same way that they buy some video ads, some mobile banners. Um, and so it becomes part of their, their mobile tactics when they're doing these various advertising campaigns. And are there specific programmatic advertising platforms that you are targeting that you would like to work with? Or? Yeah, so the, in terms of the market, there's pretty much there's five core trading desks, if you will, that are controlled by the, the five large agency groups. Mm-hmm. So Cadrian is a trading desk that is owned and operated by Interpublic Group, Zaxus for WPP, Acuan for OMD uh, or Omnicom. Um, and then for Publicis, you have, um, uh, the name escapes me, but it's pretty much five trading desks control the bulk of programmatic advertising. And so we're, we're primarily focused on working with those guys yeah. um, to, to be able to deliver these, these new types of mobile ads programmatically. And um, how close have you got to, to getting one of those uh, links built? Well, the, unfortunately, the process with programmatic is you don't just have to integrate with the trading desk. There's a range of other stakeholders that need to be integrated with. Um, one being an ad server mm-hmm. uh, to, to serve the ad. So that could be a double click. It could be a, a seismic. Um, and then the other one is the, um, the, the SSP, so a Rubicon or an AppNexus or something like that. So we're currently working with those guys to try and get it to a phase where it is pure programmatic, but there's still a way to go to make that happen. And what does the SSP do? The SSP um, allows us to upload our inventory, to, to, which then plugs into various trading desks. So the five that I just mentioned, as well as a range of other sources that might be interested in purchasing advertising. Okay, I've just decoded the acronym. So sales, is that sales side platform? Is that sales side platform? Right. Exactly. Okay. And then think of the trading side. desk as a demand side platform. Okay. All right. Um, and what about the um, uh, d- data management platform? Isn't that another component? Well, yeah, the, the agencies might have their own DMP, mm-hmm. um, but essentially that's what the, the ad server is, is trying to manage in, in that relationship is because the ad is being served by the agency or the trading desk preferred ad server, okay. all the analytics and data is being housed in, in that repository. And then whatever's served is obviously being analyzed and collected by Air Market as well. And so what are the bits that you've built so far? Because presumably you need, you can have a, a directory of beacons, you need some APIs into um, uh, apps, 
you you need to collect the metadata that describes the the significance of the beacons. How, how far have you got with that? Yeah, so at the moment, AirMarket is for the advertisers. It's a managed service, mm-hmm. so it's not programmatic today. Um, in terms of what we build, is the platform that can onboard third-party beacons, and then we're able to to label them in the database to understand a where they where they are, what's near those beacons, um, and other various data that's that could be important for an advertiser to to be able to target. Mm-hmm. And then on the app side, we've built an SDK. So unfortunately, um, if you don't have an SDK, the the system can't work. Yep. It would be great to uh, if it was just APIs mm-hmm. uh, because it would be a lot easier to onboard apps and app networks. Mm-hmm. Um, but at, at this stage, it's an SDK that the app developer has to embed inside their app. All right. And... Um... So do you have to, so what kind of um, interface do you have with the beacons? Uh, how, do, if, how does that work? Yeah, so with, um, with onboarding beacons, we have to onboard the, the beacons directly with the beacon owner. Mm-hmm. So we need those beacon IDs and then we label the various beacons in our system. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's as easy as, as long as you give us access to those beacon IDs, they can then be accessed by our third-party apps. All right. And, and what kind of beacons do you work with? Um, so we're working with all form factors. The, probably the most popular is the, um, the accent beacons. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure if you're familiar with those, but um, they're compliant in all modes from iBeacon to Eddystone um, to obviously just standard beacon mode for, for Android devices. Um, but we're concentrating on, with beacons, um, it's great, um, but it's also looking at beacons where uh, it's high density, it's multi-level, because that's where the real value of beacons um, come into play. So things like a beacon inside a mall is very valuable mm-hmm. uh, because the user could be on level one, level two, level three of a mall, mm-hmm. um, and a beacon helps determine that. Um, but with the air market platform and the way that the SDK works as well, we can use GPS for locations and areas where there might not be beacons deployed mm-hmm. or we, we might not have a footprint in that physical location with a beacon. All right. Um, so it's it's using two modes of analysis to determine where someone is. And um, you talked about the different kinds of um, standards for beacons, but so um, you're, you you uh, can use beacons that are in the clear. Obviously, if it's an iBeacon or a Eddystone UID beacon or just a, a proprietary static beacon, you can use that. But can you use like the ephemeral IDs, Eddystone EID and... Uh, I don't know if Accent has a proprietary conditional access mode for their beacons. Do you do you link into those? Yeah. So with the ephemeral, we've done some testing with with Google and their Eddystone stuff. Mm-hmm. So what we're trying to do with with advertising, we found Eddystone to be really clunky, um, and that just might be because it's early, it's early stage for for Chrome and Google, mm-hmm. um, but. In terms of having to, to deliver advertising campaigns for brands, using ephemeral from Google 
is actually really difficult. So what we're focusing on with, with the advertising campaigns is purely iBeacon and then standard um, beacon mode for Android devices. Because our experience with Eddystone is it's just too unpredictable. Um, and Google's keeping a lot of that data on their side as opposed to being able to funnel it through to a third-party platform like AirMarket. Oh, interesting. So you're finding just basic reliability issues in not seeing the beacons? Is, when you, is, is that part of the problem? It, it's, it's all of the above, Stephen. It's not seeing the beacons. The notification comes once, but then the next time you come into that, to that range or that location or proximity of the beacon, it's not delivered again. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you have to be in that location for a set period of time for it to be delivered, mm-hmm. even though there was no parameters set within the system for that to occur. Um, so, so for us, the the vision of Eddie Stone was great when it started, mm-hmm. um, and it was kind of like communism looks great on paper, but in practice, it, it doesn't really work out. Yeah. And that's kind of the, the feeling that I have towards Eddie Stone at the moment is, you know, it'd be great if it played out like it, it says on the website and in the documentation. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, in practice, um, it's still got holes like Swiss cheese. Well, and to what degree is there... Uh in reality, is there the concern about Google being in, in the chain in terms of having to register your beacons with the uh, proximity API? I mean, they, they will manage the data for you, but I guess you, you know, as long as you put the basics in there, you don't have to give them all the really valuable ma- metadata. Do you have a, a way of... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Dealing with that? Our, our experience was that they still want to control most of the data and what's collected through their system. There are APIs for you to extract certain information, but it's nowhere near as robust as having your own system that's pulling that from the device via an app. The other the, the other issue that we found just from a user experience is the, the user has to go into Chrome and, and activate physical web. Uh, right, that's different though, isn't it? There's, that's Eddie Stone URL and that's using Chrome to browse beacons as opposed to yeah. having, uh, you know, essentially an iBeacon. You know, I think about iBeacon and you, you basically have your UIDs and uh, major and minor device numbers and then all the beacon vendors... You know, a lot of them who've been in this space have 
like proprietary conditional access. So in market have their conditional yep. access standard and even Gimbal. contact IO and Estimote now have their yep. own proprietary thing. So it's all kind of different ways of doing the same thing, uh, but it's nothing to do with URL. So, I mean, I, I so putting, uh, the physical web is a wonderful thing, but probably not ideally suited to what we're talking about here. So let's just go back to those proprietary um, approaches. Have you had any experience with working with like, I'm not, I guess you in a way might be competing with Gimbal a little bit, but um, have you worked with any of those conditional access mechanisms that the beacon vendors offer? And have you had any better luck in terms of getting reliable results from them? Yeah, so we, in terms of those like security keys where you need to match something to be able to access the beacons, like we've spoken to, to Gimbal and the likes of those guys, but mm -hmm. we haven't had access to those because, as I said before, the, the market's early, it's fragmented, people yeah. are sort of fig figuring out who's who and who's going to win and, and so forth. But, but yeah, like as long as you have access to some type of key on Gimbal or in-market side, mm -hmm. you can access those beacons. Um, yeah. and, and it makes sense for them that they're protecting it in that way because that gives them a, um, you know, IP creation and things like that. I guess, uh, although really I don't think this market's about market share at the moment. It's about getting to critical mass. And I think that... Uh, I, the way I look at it is it's a bit like the early days of the mobile phone networks. And I think pretty quickly, even if you're T-Mobile or AT&T, you realize you go into a rural area, you need a roaming agreement. You need to work with companies that you might be competing with for customer acquisition. And actually, those companies make loads of money on roaming agreements, you know, both the big companies and the small companies. So my hope is that we can all agree to work together because the biggest challenge is to just getting um, coverage, uh, not yeah, fighting over from a customer shit. perspective, like the advertisers, they're, yeah. they're like, this is too hard, so we're not going to bother. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the way that we look at it is like, remember back in the um, early 2000s, everyone operated their own website? And then Google just came along and said, we'll, we'll serve the ads and we'll just cut you in. Yeah. That's, that's kind of like where Beacons are today. You've got a lot of companies managing their own little infrastructure pieces, mm -hmm. but advertisers just want to access the whole thing in a really easy fashion. So that's kind of the layer where our market fits in. So um, give me some grounds for optimism because I hear a lot of people being pessimistic about this market and it is really challenging. I feel like there's definitely, I mean, there's, there's companies that have, you know, Shopkick is, is, is sort of in this market. They have their own apps. They haven't really yes. succeeded in opening it up, but they've certainly, they've, they generate a lot of revenue and they've got pretty big staff and they, they got acquired for, for, a, for a princely sum. So that's kind of one sign that it can be done. And I see in market have what, I don't know, what is it, 80 people and they, they haven't raised a huge amount of capital. So they must be, and they've had a real focus on certain segments like grocery. Yeah, retail. And, 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 and now they're looking at bars and, and so forth. Uh, what, what are you seeing that's reasons to be cheerful, part one? Well, the reasons to be cheerful are all the advertisers and agencies that we meet when we go in and demo and we show them, you know, a, a sponsored notification coming from a third-party app. 
they get super excited. So for us, that's that's great because ultimately they're the ones that are paying for it yeah. um, and are going to deem whether it's successful or not. So in terms of step one, that's really exciting. The The challenge, though, with, with advertisers is because this is quite new, it's a, it's a big step change for how they, they think about mobile advertising. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... They're still used to desktop era methods of putting banners inside web pages and apps. Mm-hmm. And so that education process of, hey, that's still fantastic and you can still do that. But now you can do these things called push notifications where the consumer can be exposed to a brand's communications without having to be in an app. Um, and in a particular moment like retail or I'm bored on the bus and I want to be entertained. So you could get something from, say, Netflix or Amazon for episodic content. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that takes time. It's exciting, but going from not not much revenue to how do we scale that up to, to, to get where it's really exciting from a revenue and a business perspective, it just takes time. Yeah. Uh, but, but the initial feedback from, from the agencies has been super positive and then trying to overlay that with a programmatic story of you can do it in exactly the same way that you can do mobile banners or video ads mm-hmm. um, adds another layer of excitement because that's where all their dollars are heading in terms of, um, in terms of buying. And what, so what is holding it back? What are the, if you had a magic wand and you could overcome one or two problems, what would be the one or two problems that you would take off the table that you think would energize the market more? Well, I think to, to your point before is the, the fragmentation question is you've got a lot of companies in the field right now that are sort of holding their cards close to their chest mm-hmm. um, and, and for, for good reason. Um, but but the angle that we're coming from is a rising tide raises all boats. Mm-hmm. And so uh, at the end of the day, all we're concerned about is scale. Mm-hmm. And so our, our pitch to the likes of InMarket, Gimbal, and, and those companies are we don't see them as competitors. We see them as partners. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, if we can take an advertiser from X scale to uh, you know a multiple of, of five, Mm-hmm. That benefits everyone in the eco- ecosystem, mm-hmm. and it just means that the more brands that are using that, the more PR you can do, and then the more comfortable other brands feel in making that step and investment into using beacons as a as a method of reaching consumers on their devices. Yeah. So the thing I'm taking from that, the thing that is holding the advertisers back the most is just critical mass of coverage of all the... The, the key markets and the key segments that they want to address. Is that fair to say? Yeah, and, and it's more from the, the key concern for the advertiser is the app network as opposed to the beacon network. Oh, really? Okay, because you can always do some kind of GPS type uh, thing to get it, it, Exactly, but at the end of the day, to reach a consumer, the app is the Trojan horse to, to being able to do that. Yeah. So without the app component... You can spend all the money you want on rolling out beacons, but if you've got an app with a tiny user base, it's yeah. a complete waste of money. Yeah. Uh, and so that's that's probably the the priority for us as a company as well is is onboarding lots of apps. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so, and I think different companies will bring bring 
different things to market. You may have one of the players that just has a great beacon network but could do with more apps and exactly um, others that have really great integration with these trading desks and uh, uh, and uh, other components in that uh, ecosystem you described. So I'd love to get your view of some of the other players in, in, in the market um, from a kind of perspective of co-opetition. I'm sure you've looked at uh, all of them. Uh, you know, what, what do you think of XAD, for instance. Yeah, so XAD is is interesting. So their their core business model is um, banners inside mobile web pages and and apps. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we quasi compete with them, but we, you know, they're not doing what what we're doing. Mm-hmm. They could because yep. they have lots of apps that uh, that they represent. I'm not sure how many of them have their SDK, for instance, mm-hmm. but um, they could easily move into this space, right? So they're 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 a competitor as well as a as a as a threat. Mm-hmm. But the the people that we see within the ecosystem today, we see as friendlies, not enemies. And yes. so when I say that, I say I'm talking about Swirl, I'm talking about Gimbal, I'm talking about Air Market, I'm talking about Mobiquity, mm-hmm. um, and the likes. And and those companies have done very well in terms of getting a physical footprint of beacons out there. Yeah. And they've also done quite well on acquiring various apps to support those individual networks. Yeah. And so um, we, we see them as partners um, to, to grow the ecosystem together in exchange for revenue share on both the beacon side as well as the app side. Yeah. And um, what about Unicast? Unicast is uh, interesting. So... I would see them more as competing directly with an XAD. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're obviously aggregating beacon da- data to then be able to retarget consumers when they come into to various locations. Mm-hmm. I think the, the challenge for, for Unicast, and I've said this to, to Thomas, is you need apps because the, the beacon companies that you're integrating with um, don't have many apps, mm-hmm. and so therefore the data that you're generating is not going to be as significant uh, to use as what other advertising DMPs offer for clients, right? There, yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, they're a good reason to work together. Um, all right. Uh, well, I'd love to get your predictions for you know what's coming down the pike. Uh, what's the, what's the future? But anything else that we should uh, talk about with regards to to your business? What do you think we've captured the, the essence I think I think we've captured the essence cool. you know it's it's a, it's a middle it's a middle layer offering that combines beacons and apps for yeah. advertisers to use at scale yeah and so basically you want to talk to anyone that's got beacons anyone that's got apps and uh, you're going to help bring them together with advertisers that's right that's that's exactly right so, uh, okay, we've got our crystal ball out. What's uh, not necessarily directly related to your um, part of the Beacon ecosystem, but what, what are your predictions for the, the future? In regards to Beacons themselves? Yeah, yeah, I'd be interested in the market. Yeah, well, like, you've obviously seen the various studies that are, you know, from, uh, from ABI and such that are saying, you know, we're going to 400 million by 2020 in terms of beacons deployed yeah. out in the field, uh, which is obviously great for, for companies that are operating in that space. I think the, the industry is going to hang on consumer experience. 
or user experience because it doesn't necessarily have to be a B to C offering. It could be B to B. Yeah. Um, but it all stems from, and we learned this with Tappet as well, is you have to create amazing, magical experiences with the end user. Yeah. Okay. So if you don't do that, it's all a waste of time and people will turn off Bluetooth and, and uninstall the app and not be bothered. And so I think it's less of a, of a technology play and more an understanding of what's going to add value to the people at, on the end of these things, which is the mobile devices. So, um, and where's the, where's the big potential, do you think, and who's doing it? Which are the verticals that are doing a good job? And so I'm, I'm going to be uh, moderating a panel on connected spaces at the, the Bluetooth uh, uh, forum, uh, world forum that's coming up, um, gosh, beginning of uh, April. Uh, and uh, we've got uh, basically a, a museum, San Diego Museum of Art. We've got yes. the um, um, we've got a, a sports uh, um, stadium, sports stadium that's going to be there. And we've also got um, um, someone from AT and T talking about the National Emergency Address Database, the nine one one database. Because my my personal prediction is that's going to really energize the market because people. Venue owners will deploy beacons to bring down their insurance rates to manage liability because if you have beacons, someone dials 911, emergency services will get there fast. So if I'm a, a stadium or an airport or any, anything like that, then I don't want to have on my conscience the fact that someone had a stroke and it took an extra five minutes for the emergency services to find them. And I, In my mind, the same way as the military applications were the reasons for getting GPS satellites up there, uh, this will be the driver for pervasive beacon deployment, and then we'll figure out lots of ways of doing it. So anyway, that's a, my kind of plug for what NIAD are doing, and they're, they're, they're a client of mine, so I'm biased, but uh, <laughs> uh, it's... Uh, I, I, think I, I definitely is, agree with you yeah. with the, the B2B solutions. Yeah. So, so a couple of companies that we know that are doing some really cool, exciting, valuable deployments are... JC Deco, who are the outdoor furniture company, yeah, they they're using beacons as a way for them to be able to track and analyze people that service their out of home units. Mm -hmm. So instead of manually logging that down on a piece of paper, I was you know on the corner of thirty fourth and third, and I had to um, you know fix the 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 outdoor panel. Mm -hmm. Is that is being automated via a beacon in the panel? and an app that's loaded on the the production guy's device. And so JC Deco can automatically determine that that production representative was at that particular panel at that particular time. Oh, fascinating. That's, uh, uh, that's great. So I thought you were going to talk about them using it for targeting of out-of-home advertising. But, but No, no. It's purely... So that deployment is purely operational. Yeah. And then... I believe that Coke are uh, doing something similar with vending. Yeah. So each time a, a, a vending representative goes out and, and obviously stacks the Cokes and fixes the machine, yeah. they've got an app that's loaded onto their work device yeah. and that, that visit is being recorded automatically as opposed to manually. All right. Very cool. Well, that's um, yeah, that's, that's fantastic and obviously... Uh, companies that are very focused on advertising, but this is about operational applications. And I agree. I think that we're going to see it in, uh, you know, the volumes in terms of people that sell beacons, asset management, 
yes. asset tracking, all that stuff is going to help to invigorate things. I've got to go back to my, my panel. So it's the 29th of March in the uh, Santa Clara uh, is uh, the convention center there. And we're actually going to have um, um, uh, Kyle Ekman, who's the uh, senior director from the Sacramento Kings. So that is the sports team. Oh, nice. I was having a senior moment there and uh, I don't want to uh, uh, <laughs> waste an opportunity to plug that, uh, that panel. So it should be an interesting discussion. Well, that's good. I, 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 uh, I, I like your reasons to be cheerful. I think, uh, I, I think whilst we're kind of doing, whilst you're doing the hard work and getting programmatic advertising, there's lots of reasons for beacons to get deployed and that will just make your life easier. And hopefully um, that we can get a bit of uh, co-opetition going with all the players in this space so that, um, uh, you know, the market gets bigger faster. That's right. For us, it's, uh, it's education, Combined with case studies and PR, yeah. Uh, from our standpoint, that'll uh, that'll grow the market exponentially over time. Very cool. Okay, Andrew. Well, uh, great to talk to you. Uh, uh, good luck in your ventures. I think uh, you've obviously got some amazing experience and uh, you know, great start in terms of uh, that app base. So, uh, congratulations and thanks again. Thank you very much, Stephen. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. tracks would you take to Mars So three songs would be Rocket Man by Elton John as we're on a rocket to Mars yeah. second song would be Blue Danube by Strauss because it has a very um, 2001 feel to it oh, is, that, is that a film that you uh, admire? I love 2001 Space Odyssey the original sci-fi yeah and incredible the, the the quality of the graphics and everything for that era i mean it timeless looks, yeah timeless yeah uh, i recently saw it on the big screen actually oh. well in uh, new york yeah in new york yeah there's a couple of cinemas that uh that screen old films and that one was on a couple of weeks ago but that is up there in my top top 10 top five films probably and actually what got me interested in computers with hal and all that sort of stuff yeah you know the story about how, right? Um, I'm not sure whether I do. What's the story? Look, it's uh, one letter after each of the, the letters. IBM. It's uh, IBM, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Very good. And, and, you know, if Siri was like one-tenth as good as how, then uh, the market would exactly. But it's Exactly. Sadly and then the third, the third song would be if things went a little bit pear-shaped, we've got... Um, Requiem Mass by Mozart. Alright. Oh, good. Alright. Uh, no one's ever gone to Mars yet, right? No? Well not not in real life, although that movie was pretty good. Yes. Matt Damon. Oh yeah, the Matt Damon film. We're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.